you think about the abdominal cavity, all of those organs are really packed in there pretty tightly, right? Everything has its place. They need to be able to slide on top of one another because there's really not a lot of space within that, that cavity. So we want to make sure that there's adequate movement of the organs. They can slide the directions that they need to so that they can function correctly. The information provided in this podcast is educational and not intended to diagnose or treat medical conditions. Are you struggling with bloating, gas, constipation, and fatigue, but don't know what's causing these problems? The Gut Health Reset Podcast with Dr. Anne-Marie Barter dives deep into the root causes behind these issues that start in the gut. This podcast will give you the knowledge you need to heal your gut and reset your health. Dr. Amy, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It's such a pleasure to have you on, and I'm super excited to talk about the technique that you do, one of the techniques that you do in your clinic, um, and that technique is visceral manipulation. And so first, for starters, um, can you tell the audience what visceral manipulation is? Yeah, of course. Um, visceral manipulation is also known as visceral mobilization. So if you hear that, they're synonymous. It's a technique whereby we really address how the organs are moving. Out of all of the modalities that I've ever used, it's probably the gentlest. So to kind of take a step back, when we think about what, what, what do you mean by gut mobility? you think about the abdominal cavity, all of those organs are really packed in there pretty tightly, right? Everything has its place um, and they need to be able to slide on top of one another because there's really not a lot of space within that, that cavity. So we want to make sure that there's adequate movement of the organs. They can slide the directions that they need to so that they can function correctly. Now, organs also are smooth muscle, right? So they're under that auto autonomic nervous control, um, meaning they've kind of got their own inherent rhythm. And we refer to that as motility. So think about mobility is how does the organ, one organ move in relation to the other and motility as how does the organ move inside itself, right? That makes a lot of sense that every, like, for example, the large intestine has a lot of needs to have a lot of motility to move the food along and, and finally excrete it, right? So visceral manipulation is just making sure that we have appropriate mobility and motility of all of our organs. So why is this really important for the gut specifically? Mm -hmm. Because if you think about with respect to motility, there can be a lot of things that lead to loss of motility. And we hear a lot about this, right? Clinically, I think a lot of people either hear about or experience, gosh, it feels like I eat something and it sits like a rock in my stomach or um, constipation is a huge one, right? Or we can also see the other side of the coin where things are being excreted way too quickly. Like I eat something and, and my food is coming out and it's not, you know, fully digested or, or, you know, what have you not fully absorbed. So, it's really important to make sure that our organs are moving at the appropriate pace so that they can perform the functions that they need to perform. When we think about it from a mobility standpoint, if we've got somebody that, let's say, has some scar tissue, whether that's from trauma or endometriosis or some sort of adhesions, and that one particular organ can't move in terms 
in res with respect to the other organs, then we're going to see potentially pain or even dysfunction of other organ systems. So for example, if you think about um, the, the duodenum, for example, if there is physical adhesion in that area, it's going to affect its ability to actually maintain its motility. And if it can't move with respect to other things, gosh, think about how much else sits on top of that. We could be seeing issues in the root of the mesentery, which could maybe be causing back pain, those sorts of things. I'm going to back you up a little bit because you use a mm -hmm. lot of clinical terms. So when you say the duodenum, you mean the small intestine. Correct. And then, yeah. and then you're saying in relation to, for example, endometriosis type, um, how, so I, I know this is going to be simple for you, but how does endometriosis affect the gut or how does that pathophysiology really impact the gut? Sure. So endometriosis, right, is where cells that are really similar to the endometrium, they're not exactly the same as the endometrium, which is the lining of the uterus, can grow outside of the uterus. And just like the endometrium, they'll build up as time goes on. And the endometrium inside the uterus will shed every month under normal circumstances. But there's really not a means by which for that tissue to exit the body when it grows on the small intestine or really anywhere within that abdominal cavity. And so it ends up forming something very, I mean, comparable to scar tissue, really. It's like an adhesion. Absolutely. And that definitely mimics gut problems all day long. Oh, that mm -hmm. creates. Yeah, I mean, it, clinically, mm -hmm. you see so much of people with endometriosis, or maybe they haven't even been a diagnosed with endometriosis, then experiencing a fair amount of gastric symptoms, whether it's IBS type symptoms or um, gastroparesis where their stomach isn't emptying. We see a lot of that. Well, you mentioned something interesting and I get this clinically a lot. So I want to just clear this up. Mm -hmm. Trauma. Okay. So trauma being, and most people associate trauma with a major impact. I was not, I don't, I don't think I have any trauma. I don't, I haven't been in a car accident. I haven't been mm -hmm. hit really hard in my abdomen, et cetera. Can you go into different things that can create scar tissue in the, in the gut abdominal region? Sure. Sure. Well, I'll start with the really the most basic thing that you've already touched on is like blunt force trauma, of course. So that could be getting hit um, when playing a contact sport, big one that we see is seat belt in a car accident, right? That's a pretty big blunt force to the abdomen. Um, something that a lot of people don't consider is surgery, which of course is also trauma to the abdomen, right? Because scar tissue, if anybody listening has ever done any sort of cadaver work, I think the thing that we were really always so surprised by as students was how much fascia there was and how restricted it could get. You know, you might see this really big bundle of fascia in somebody's back, but they didn't have any sort of external indications that they had had any, any incisions, but there was something in the front. So certainly with that sort of thing, we can see proliferation of scar tissue with any sort of abdominal surgery, even if it is laparoscopic, right? Because there were still invading that space and there can be, the body can respond and need to heal it and, and responds by 
creating a little bit more fascia. Um, so I always remind people that any history, any history of surgical, any abdominal surgery, excuse me, could be a contributor. Same thing goes too, right, for any sort of surgical intervention in the back, right, because that scar tissue can also wrap around to the front as well, perhaps in the hip, pelvic, that sort of thing. What are a little bit less obvious signs or things that can create trauma would be pregnancy. Um, simply by having that really big expansion of the uterus, that can be enough, right, to, to trigger some some response in the body, whether that is scar tissue or adhesions or simply lack of mobility. Um, other less obvious causes would be potentially like a really bad infection or simply having had to be on antibiotics, right? And having something that maybe really, really affected your bowels, that can be trauma to the gut. And then I think the least obvious is anything that affects our autonomic nervous system, right? So when we think about um, that autonomic nervous system, and your listeners may know this, but thinking of it as fight or flight or rest and digest, there's no middle ground between those. We're either in one or the other, right? And if we are not in rest or digest, we're in fight or flight. And unfortunately, many of us spend a lot of our time in that fight or flight place. And when we aren't spending most of our time in rest and digest, we lose what we call vagal tone. So the vagus nerve is what innervates all of those organs of the gut, keep them moving really rhythmically and with a lot of control. And when we have a loss of vagal tone, that is a huge source of trauma for people. So whether that is something like mental, emotional trauma, or simply by living a really stressed out life, not getting enough sleep, things simple as that can be trauma to the gut. Great, great uh, explanation of that. So we've talked about a couple ways we can tell in the gut if we've had adhesions, um, you know, primarily, you know, diarrhea, constipation, mm -hmm. um, gastroparesis, et cetera. Um, what are other symptoms that maybe we mm -hmm. have some fascial adhesions and need visceral manipulation? Sure. So in addition to the ones that you've already mentioned, really anything going on with gastric issues. So perhaps it's that you're having a hard time actually secreting bile. We can get sluggish bile duct because of the actual motility of the gallbladder. Um, so that's a huge sign. Uh, certainly pain after you eat can be a huge sign. Even gas and bloating can be indications that there could be some restriction. And of course, it's multifactorial, right? So maybe somebody's got a little bit of dysbiosis or maybe somebody has some increased intestinal permeability or leaky gut and they do everything in their power to heal that, but things persist. That's kind of a sign that maybe we actually, if those symptoms had been going on long enough, have some adhesions in the gut. Um, other signs that are really surprising can be urinary frequency, um, feeling like you've got to go pee all the time, maybe incomplete emptying of the bladder because that bladder isn't moving the way that it should. Um, similarly, in inability to fully empty the rectum or feeling like you've got to go to the, the bathroom all the time, incomplete emptying when it comes to, to stool, that can also be a sign. Um, and then maybe some less obvious signs would be hip pain, low back pain, because those adhesions 
could be pulling on musculoskeletal structures and affecting the way that that the whole lumbar spine and pelvic girdle and even hip girdle move. Hey, this is Dr. Anne-Marie Barter. Have you ever spent hours searching for the right supplements to heal your body? And when you finally found them, maybe you weren't sure it was a brand that you could trust or if the products were safe. After hearing about these issues time and time again, I decided to put together a complete store of supplements for healing and supporting your gut at dranmariebarter.com. There are supplements for constipation, thyroid health, gut health, energy, and so much more. There are bundles created for sleep support, pain support, histamine support, and the list just goes on and on. These supplements I use personally or I've handpicked because they've worked time and time again on countless cases in the office. And on the website, you can see what ingredients we use to put your mind at ease. If you visit dranmariebarter.com and use the promo code podcast to get 10% off your next order. So what are you waiting for? Go visit Dr. Anne-Marie Barter and get 10% off your supplement bundle. Ciao. And now back to our episode. That's a great point. So who doesn't have abdominal adhesions? Do you know? Well, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's a general rule in your practice. Mm. Do you find it all the time? I find something typically all the time. Um, now, obviously, the people that are walking through the door of my clinic, right, are coming in because they've got some sort of symptom that they want to deal with. So maybe I'm just biased in thinking that everybody has a little bit of something. Um, but I would say most people do. I don't think I've ever worked on anybody where I haven't felt at least a little bit of something going on. Because we all, I think simply by being humans and living a human existence in this stressful world might have a little bit. So I think that everybody um, could benefit from it for certain. And do you mind telling your story about when you started um, visceral manipulation and kind of how you felt around that and then what an impact it really made? Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is maybe a little bit of a long story, uh, but I had heard such wonderful things about it. It was probably 2017 that I first got into it. And I went down to this course and it was in Sedona, which is a really special place. And at that point in my career, I think that I was having the inclination that there, that I was missing the boat. I had done a lot of training in functional nutrition to really try to expand my practice, but it was like, gosh, there's something missing. I'm doing a lot of mechanical things with people's spinal alignment and their pelvic floor muscles. And then we're really addressing lifestyle and diet, but it was like, gosh, we're missing something. So just to give you that context, I went down to Sedona with my mom. She brought her dog and I brought my dog. And just to give you that context also, this seems like a little bit of a wandering story. The first couple of days in the course, I kind of thought to myself, I don't know, I'm not feeling this because a lot of what we were doing is intuitive listening of the body where we simply place hands on the abdomen and energetically start to tune into what are we feeling? Um, what, what is drawing us to look a little bit further, so to speak. And the touch is really light. If anybody's ever had craniosacral work, it's very similar to that. And gosh, in my practice, that's just not how I was used to treating, right? I'd watch somebody move. I would do 
joint mobilizations really assess how things are moving physically, right? There was never any sort of energetic component to any of the work that I did. So I'll tell you what, by the end of the course, I was like, I don't, I don't think this is for me. I don't, I don't know what I'm feeling. I don't know what I'm doing. Is this even real? Certainly crossed my mind. In the very last day, when I got to the class, I think it started at 8 a.m. I'd eaten around 7 a.m. Probably at 10 a.m., I got the most intense pain in my stomach intense, intense pain. And I had the clinical and or the, the teacher come and, and listen to my stomach. And she said, you know, this isn't your pain. You picked this pain up somewhere. This is energetic pain. It's not yours. And as quickly as it came on, it went away. And it was significant pain. So I knew it wasn't, and it was in my stomach. So I knew it really probably wasn't from something that I had eaten because I felt like my stomach had emptied. and when my mom came to pick me up from the course at the end of the day, she said, I don't want you to be nervous and don't be angry with me, but your dog got up on the counter while I was showering and ate a chocolate bar and I had to take her to the vet to get her stomach pumped. And the times coincided with my stomach pain exactly, which for many people, they may not buy into that, but it was really something that opened my eyes that there's maybe more to this um, in terms of energy, right? And how we we treat the body. Maybe intuitively I knew that something was going on. Maybe I was just simply nervous, but it was pretty remarkable that I had an experience in that course where I had really intense digestive symptoms that, that went away suddenly. So if nothing else, it proved to me how much the nervous system can play into things. So as I've implemented this into my practice more and more, there are people that are not as in tune um, or and, and really don't adhere to a lot of energetic practices. And that's totally fine because we can work with them and work with the mechanics because I can physically feel the mobility of an organ and see how it's moving. And then they'll have a physical experience and an improvement after treatment. I also have a lot of people that do really buy into the energetic practices and, and those sorts of modalities, and they've had profound effects in implementing some of this. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that story. Is there anything that we forgot to touch on on visceral manipulation that's maybe important to add? You know, I think that one of the biggest things is that we have to think about our nervous system. And I know I kind of hinted at that and, and briefly touched on that, but it really is true that the nervous system is the ruler of all things, whether it's from a perception standpoint or whether it's truly from that autonomic vagal tone in how our gut responds to things. So if there's anything that people can really be doing to promote mobility, motility, appropriate movement of their organs. It truly is lifestyle practices. So whether that's meditation, breath work, um, I know cold exposure therapy can be really, really helpful for people. Um, but I think that the most important thing is to eat in a parasympathetic state. Because if you do have any sort of motility issues where maybe your stomach is not regulated or your large intestine or your small intestine or whatever it may be, 
if we go into a meal in a sympathetic state, your body is not primed and prepped to really digest that that meal and then utilize the nutrients appropriately, right? So eating on the go is really, I think, and I'm guilty of that, right? I think a lot of people probably are. I'm going to eat something in my car or I'm going to, I'll chomp something down in between patients all the time. And even, I know that some of those things are unavoidable, right? But I think that the most important thing is that before we eat, we take at least 90 seconds to really ground, get present, take some really deep diaphragmatic breaths. Simply by stimulating the diaphragm, it's going to change the abdominal pressure. It's going to not only change that abdominal pressure, bring blood flow to the area, but it's going to signal to our nervous system that, okay, we're safe right now. We can receive this food. We can digest this food. And that's that. Well said. Well said. Where can people find you if they want to get in touch with you? Yeah, my practice is Apto Physical Therapy. That's A-P-T-O. And I'm in the Highlands neighborhood of Denver. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today and explaining visceral manipulation, which I think is so important and sharing all of your knowledge. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Gut Health Reset Podcast. Please make sure you subscribe, leave a rating and a review so more people can hear about the podcast. And hey, take a screenshot of this episode and tag Dr. Anne Marie on Instagram or Facebook at Dr. Anne Marie Barter. And for more resources, just visit DrAnneMarieBarter.com.